And the Oscar goes and to... And the Oscar goes and the Oscar to... Goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. I could have been a contender. Fasten your seat. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Yeah. All real man. Love is, is Love. too weak a word. Stay back. I, I, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you Don't laugh! If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie. Welcome to the next Best Picture podcast. And the Oscar goes to Green Book. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 142 of the Next Best Picture podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers that are listening out there. Joining us for this episode of the Next Best Picture podcast, I have Nicole Ackman. Hi, everyone. Deanne Knighton. Happy Mother's Day and Other's Day. We'll talk about that later. Cody Derricks. Happy Ma Day. <laughs> and Tom O'Brien. Happy Mother's Ma Everybody's Day. Is anyone here looking forward to Ma with Hell Octavia yes. Spencer? Yeah. Oh my God. I think it looks so campy that I don't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to really, you know, lean into its campiness and actually be entertaining. You know what I mean? 2019 is the year that camp is mainstream, so we're just going to do it. We're just going to watch it and appreciate it. <laughs> That's totally fair. I totally understand that. All right. So, um,. Yeah, this has been a very interesting week. I am currently laid up in bed uh, with a sprained ankle at the moment. Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, I uh, was able to get in some movie watching uh, for this week. I don't know what this week has in store for me since I am going to have to probably drag, hobble, jump, probably just Uber myself to anywhere I have to go to see movies. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, starting off actually first with you, Cody, what did you catch up on this week? Well, of course I talked, I saw a uh, Pokemon detective Pikachu, which we talked about on the podcast yesterday. Other than that, I haven't been able to get to the movies. I was uh, out of town. I saw Avengers again. Um, but if anybody's interested, if they want an update on my last time I was on this episode, on this, uh, podcast, I was going through phase one of Marvel and I've gone through most of phase two now. And I want to reassert my claim that Thor the Dark World is the best Thor movie. Don't at me. Uh, I thought it was actually even better this time. It's in my top 10 Marvel movies now. And that's all I have to say about that. It's a good movie. All right. Very, very cool. Deanne? Okay. So I was on the um, Detective Pikachu review. And I have to say that it's funny because I actually listened to it yesterday. And I realized that I kept calling all of the Pokemon Pikachus. Yeah, I didn't want to talk to you. What? But you did. You me. <laughs> so, me. I, I thought it was charming. Oh, it's like so old lady. Like, I, anyway, so for any listeners that heard that and were so annoyed about that, I apologize. But anyway, um, so also, um, I saw, I've seen a few things. I saw the Lego movie too, finally, which was just fine. Um, I saw Long Shot, which I thought was surprisingly great and speaking of charming i thought really charming and fun and interesting um i saw extremely wicked shockingly evil and vile which is the stupidest title ever but um and was just okay just a fine movie um and then i saw my least favorite movie of the year so i can't say this was a good week for me my least favorite movie of the year so far is the hustle it was painful stuff painful and slightly offensive, honestly. So. I, I didn't even ask anyone to write a review for it. <laughs> it's bad. I, I, I thought I was sparing you guys. <laughs> well, you know, and it's such a shame because I love Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And this is almost like beat for beat, trying to recapture some of that magic. And obviously there's, you know, good people in it. But man, the writing and the storytelling is really bad. And the jokes are really painful. Are you sure you're talking about a movie and not Game of Thrones? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, see, I can have fun. I can, I can, I can, uh, you know, poke fun at my favorite show. And if I call Pokemon's Pikachu's or anything else on this episode, we now all have an agreement that you're going to correct me. I've got you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> all right, what about you, Tom? It was pretty much a wasteland at our multiplexes this week, so I went a little artsy fartsy and went uh, traveled over to see a German movie that I've been trying to see now for. It's been playing here for about eight weeks. Uh, called Transit. Oh yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's uh, it's a terrific film. Uh, it's uh, directed by a, a director named uh, Christian Herzold, who's uh, done a couple of uh, German language hits. 
Uh, and this one is really kind of a cool idea. It, uh, it's based on a novel that is set in during the Nazi occupation of World War II. And what Hertzold is, Petzold, excuse me, uh, Christian Petzold has done is to update it to 2018. But instead of World War II Nazis, they're neo-Nazis and white supremacists who have taken over France. And they're going from city to city, town to town, to cleanse the population. Now, our hero, Georg, is in Paris, and he knows he has to get the hell out of there because he's, he's a goner if he does. A friend of his asks him to drop off some uh, envelopes to a uh, writer friend, and he gets there and finds the writer friend has committed suicide. So he looks in the envelopes, and there's letters of transit that will get him out of France. So he hightails it to Marseille, and uh, there's a ship going to Mexico. Uh, he's, got, uh, he's got a guaranteed employment in Mexico, the writer did. So now that the guy's taking over his, uh, his identity. Um, he just waits, interacts with a lot of other immigrants, which has some nice contemporary uh, parallels, and falls in love with this woman who, you know, is sort of like the love of his life. And he wants to take her to Mexico with him. But it turns out that the woman is actually now the widow of the writer who committed suicide. And she's waiting for him to come to Marseille to give her letters of transit. And they're in his pocket, George's pocket. And he can't give it to her because then it gives away the, uh, the game that he's playing. Uh, or does he give it to her and then risks his own life? And this is just the beginning of the movie. So this is a, this is a jam-packed story, and it's very clever, very funny, and hugely entertaining. And if it's still playing around, it's it's in its eleventh week in the, in the states. Uh, if it's still playing near you, give it a, give it a shot because it's a gonna it's a kind of a a nice alternative to the summer blockbusters. That's a hell of a recommendation, there, Tom. <laughs> It's a good, good picture. Give it a go. I feel I don't even have to watch a trailer. I like I, I'm I'm pretty sold. <laughs> I, I like I like uh, I like movies with moral dilemmas in it, and this gets moral dilemma right off the bat, and you don't know which way it's going to go. Oh, that's awesome, Nicole. What about you? Yeah, um, I only watched one movie this week, but that's partially because I saw two Broadway shows, and between them, saw Michael Shannon, Audrey McDonald, Laurie Metcalf, and John Lithgow. Um, and I also watched all of season eight of Game of Thrones thus far, um, because my roommate finally got HBO Go. Uh, so Matt, I am caught up. Wow. Uh, but the one movie that I did watch was I watched the 2007 Mansfield Park made for TV movie, um, which is interesting. It's kind of your normal like low budget period drama. But the reason that I watched it and the thing that's best about it is it does have Haley Atwell in this like Regency era mean girl role. And it is worth it for that if you're a Haley Atwell fan. Um, clearly, anyone who's been listening to the podcast will know uh, why I was watching it, as I won't shut up about Captain America. Um, so, yeah, that's all that I got to. But I am going to see Tolkien this evening. I hope you like it more than I liked it, at least. You know, I'll go see anything that has some World War One scenes in it, so... <laughs> That's fair. I mean, World War One is such an underrepresented genre within film. It's always nice to see exactly. a little bit. Like, I remember when I was watching Lost City of Z, mm -hmm. and they actually had, like, an entire set piece dedicated to him serving in World War One, and I was like, yes, more of this, please. Why can't we get right? more movies yeah. based around World War One? Uh, especially like in terms of like fighting with like, you know, chemicals and the trench warfare. It, it's horrifying stuff. So I'm really hoping that um, Sam Mendes' film, 1917, I really hope it blows us out of the water. I'm very much looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so for me, I saw one of my favorite films of the year this week. I saw Booksmart, finally, which I absolutely adore. I love everything about it. I love the performances from Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever. I think that they have tremendous chemistry. I think Olivia Wilde directs the hell out of this movie, constantly gives it a brisk pace. It uh, never, ever slogs at any point. It's a laugh out loud, a minute funny. It's so much more than the comparisons are saying in terms of it being like a female super bad. It's so much more than that. And it feels fresh. It feels unique. It feels exciting while you're watching it. It, it definitely uh, satisfied a need that I had to see a raunchy female comedy, uh, but like in the set in like high school uh, kind of a setting. And it, it, it was also, you know, pretty touching at times. I, I have to say that um, performances really go a long way to really elevating it and eliciting some strong emotion. So it, it's a... Very, very strong recommendation from me, for sure. 
Oh, and also, as uh, many else, many others have said before, I also saw Detective Pikachu this week uh, to hear my thoughts on that. Listen to our podcast review, which just went up yesterday. Uh, so a film that I'm sure we will review later on in September is It Chapter 2. <laughs> oh, man. This is the first teaser trailer that we're getting for the highly anticipated sequel to the 2017 horror film It. Same director is coming back, Andy, I hope I'm saying this right, Muschietti. Uh, And this time around, we've got not only some of the kids reoccurring uh, in their roles from the first film, but we also have James McAvoy, Jessica Chastain, Jay Ryan, Bill Hader, Isaiah Mustafa, uh, James Ransone, and Andy Bean all coming on. I mean, this is... Well, b- before I before I jump the gun here and give my thoughts, let's take a look at this teaser trailer. Yes, I'll help you. I used to live here. Won't you come in? It's the least I can do. Is it like you remember? Cleaner. Well, you feel free to look around while I get the water boiling. Your hair is winter fire. January embers. music I do apologize it gets so very hot here this time of year it's fine well you feel like you could just about die <laughs> but you know what they say about Derry hmm. no one who dies here ever really dies Tell me, how is it being back in Derry? It's good. Strange. Strange? Oh, my. I had some cookies in the oven before you came. Stay right there. I shouldn't impose. I'm going to... No, 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 no. I insist. Your photos are lovely. Miss Kirsch, are these your family? My father came to this country with $14 in his pocket. What did he do, Mrs. Kirsch? My father joined the circus. I was always daddy's little girl. What about you? Are you still his little girl, Beverly? Are you? Club has officially begun. We can do this, but we have to stick together. Hello. Do you guys like it when uh, teaser trailers play out? A full scene. Oh, I thought it was brilliant. I, I loved I, it. I loved it. I was hooked right away. I think this is a very, very effective way to do a teaser for any movie. You establish the tone. You uh, make people feel on edge. And then you do some quick cuts towards the end, you know, with some interesting shots to get people excited. The music ramps up. Then you have your tagline. It feels like everybody's going for a very catchy tagline. Uh, that's a wink wink. I just saw like Godzilla, uh, King of the Monsters recently, and the tagline was one king to rule them all. And this one is uh, this summer witness the end of it. And I'm like, ah, I see what you guys are doing. <laughs> it was really smart because it kind of promised that it's going to be a return to form from the first movie in terms of this isn't going to be just quick jump scares and cheap little moments. It's going to be long drawn out sequences of terror and really effective horror imagery. So that got me really excited for it. Was there anyone here that wasn't a fan of the first It film? I haven't seen it because I'm a big scaredy cat and oh, I it's already terrifying. am very afraid of clowns. Oh yeah, no. So this will feel like one for me. <laughs> Uh, this would definitely scar you. Uh, however, I do have to say, just as a uh, 
recommendation. It's one of the better horror films that we've received over the last decade. That's for sure. Uh, Celia wrote a great uh, blog piece last month on what makes a good trailer. And this is one of the best trailers I've seen in months. Uh, you get Jessica Chastain right up front, so you say, oh, someone familiar. And then you begin to see the layers of what went on in the past. Oh, yeah, I remember that was in it. And uh, nothing happens in it, but you are creeped out. And th- and I, I was absolutely hooked, you know, after that first scene. Yeah, and I think it also shows, to Cody's point, it promises the themes from the first film, but also for any that are familiar with the made-for-TV version, which I saw many times growing up. This is like very broken up typically into chapters of each of the people returning back to Derry and sort of rediscovering it at an older age. And so this kind of obviously is kind of just one chapter in all of that. And so it seems like they're going to keep a lot of that original structure in place, which I think is a good move. Um, for some, it, it adds to the pacing being slower. But for me, it is what I loved about those the original film and the first film. Yeah, I'm also very, very intrigued by this cast. I have to say that having Jessica Chastain and James McAvoy lead your horror film adds a degree of uh, gravitas to it that actually makes it feel more serious. You know, it makes me it makes me take it more seriously, I guess, because they're both such accomplished uh, actors that don't just take on any role. So uh, that definitely is an appealing factor for me here. And I'm very, very, very super excited to see because I actually don't know the story. I, I've never read the book. So I, I don't know how this all concludes. But if the imagery and the horrifying sequences of the first film are any indication, I think that this could definitely be a worthwhile epic conclusion to what is only a two part movie. You know, it's not like this was a franchise of many other films, although I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure somebody is going to greenlight a prequel or something. We're going to get like an it universe. I bet you. Yeah. Well, the miniseries um, definitely it falls flat in the second half. It's kind of like just notorious for that. So hopefully they can do a better job in kind of capturing the magic of that first part um, and, and pull that off. OK. And then also in honor of Mother's Day and movies about moms and machete did one of my favorite moms movies called mama so um that's also you know just a nice tie-in as well also starring jessica chastain <laughs> that's right so uh oh and nikolai costa waldo who plays jamie lannister on game of thrones just throwing that oh. out there uh and if i remember correctly because i saw that movie a while ago i thought it was good you know so i would say if you're looking to satisfy uh your horror uh urges and uh Want to check out some more of Andy's work? Uh, Mama is a pretty solid Excellent. recommendation. Yep. It. It's a good one. I don't know if Nicole would like it. She doesn't want I to watched, see it. I watched the trailer for that film on a plane once and had nightmares for two weeks. Oh, no. <laughs> two weeks? It's definitely creepy. Jeez. But um, Michelle wow. has this kind of artfulness to some of his, you know, the, the way he does horror, which I really like. And that comes through in Mama, too. Me, too. Yeah. Uh, We're going to be talking about another horror film, actually, in a little bit. But before we jump over to that, I want to talk about uh, Cannes, which starts this week, May 14th, running until May 25th. This is kind of the launching pad for the uh, Oscar season, actually, for us. Maybe not in terms of some of the biggest players that we'll see. Obviously, we'll have Telluride, TIFF, and a bunch of others to come along uh, that will launch uh, big contenders later on in the year. But this is kind of where we definitely start to get at least a foreign film category uh, kind of laid out. And uh, maybe one or two big contenders. I mean, last year we had uh, Black Klansman, which made its debut at Cannes. Uh, And then in the foreign films, uh, we had Cold War. We had Burning. We had Shoplifters, which won the Palme d'Or last year. And so there was a great deal of films to go around that really kept our interest up over these next couple of months through the summer until things really started to ramp up. So I'm just curious, looking at the uh, lineup here. Obviously, the biggest film that everybody is talking about is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which now is officially going to be playing at the festival. So all eyes will be on that from a publicity standpoint. But there are some other films that are listed here uh, that definitely have a, a lot of promise, I think. And I just wanted to ask each one of you if there was anything that stood out to you from the lineup. I'm excited about Eggers' follow-up to The Witch. It looks like the, something called The Lighthouse is going to be premiering. 
Um, so I'm interested in that because The Witch was awesome. I've heard Robert Pattinson say that it actually has Tarkovsky vibes, which I'm like raising my hand right now. You've got my money. <laughs> I'm there. <laughs> if you get, if you make anything that uh, you know resembles Andre Tarkovsky's work, I'm always going to be the first one in line to check it out. Um, I'm I'm tentatively excited about Terrence Malick's A Hidden Life. I haven't really liked a Terrence Malick movie ever, but this is seems to be hopefully a return to form in terms of it actually has a set plot. It's based on a true story. Um, he's not shooting it with Lubezki, which is interesting because for me, the best parts of his recent movies have been Lubezki cinematography. But I'm curious to see if he can kind of bring me into the fold because I've been very skeptical on his appeal for a long time. But this seems actually pretty interesting. It's great to see uh, so many auteurs in the in competition. We've got the Darden brothers, who Khan loves, uh, the new Almodovar, in addition to the Malik. Uh, I did see that uh, Ira Sachs's picture, Frankie, got picked up by Sony Pictures Classics, which will give it a nice release in the States. And I think in a previous uh, podcast i had mentioned my i'm really looking forward most to bong joon ho's parasite yeah i'm definitely looking forward to that one as well and the terrence malick film is definitely something that i am very interested in because last couple of his movies have not been my cup of tea at all i actually have gotten to a point where i've pretty much written off terrence malick at this point like i I need a strong narrative I, you know, I can't do all of this just random imagery with voiceover and music layered on top of it. At that point, you're just nothing more than a music video to me. So I'm very excited to see him go back to some form of narrative storytelling with his earlier work. And to a lesser extent, films like um, The Thin Red Line or uh, The New World, which had a narrative, but also mixed that artistic sensibility. But I'm talking something like uh, Days of Heaven or Badlands, you know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely excited to see what he's got going on there. Um, Pedro Almodovar's film has already opened up in Spain. Uh, it's called Pain and Glory. It's getting really good reviews so far. So that will be something to look out for. I mean, anytime Almodovar has a new film, it's always something to uh, celebrate and be excited about. Uh, Iris Sachs has uh, Frankie. Yeah. And I'm looking at this cast. It's phenomenal. Marissa mm-hmm. Tomei, Brendan Gleeson, Greg Kinnear, and Isabel Huppert, which is, I mean... I'm, I'm in. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another note, too, uh, about this year's Cannes Film Festival uh, is actually the jury for the main competition. Uh, Alexand- uh, Alejandro gonzalez too is actually the jury president this year. But joining him, you have a list of very familiar names, including uh, Kelly Reithart, uh, Paweł Palakowski uh, from last year's uh, director of Cold War, Yorgos Lanthimos, El Fanning. You know, there's some uh, pretty big names on the uh, jury comp. The, the jury this year uh, that's going to select the uh, competition film. Uh, Elle Fanning must be having like such a ball, <laughs> you know, going to Cannes at 21 years old, being on the jury. Yeah, I love someone younger than me picking the Palme d'Or. feels good. Yeah. Oh, but she's shown that she no, actually. I love her. I'm just having yeah. that myself. It's not about her. Yeah. <laughs> she's making Jennifer Lawrence look bad. What did, what did Jennifer Lawrence accomplish at 21? Right, exactly. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jennifer Lawrence, I think, was an Academy Award winner by the time she was, what, 22? 22. Oh, it's crazy. Uh, well, also, too, you also have uh, Nadine uh, Labaki, uh, who's here uh, as well. She was the uh, director of last year's um, film, Capernaum, that premiered at Cannes. Uh, she's a, a jury president for Un Certain Regard. Uh, and in terms of like that category, because, I mean, every year uh, we do get certain films that play in Un Certain Regard that are uh, sometimes pretty... Uh, you know, pretty good as well. Something worth checking out usually. And uh, just looking at the list there, I just was wondering if anybody uh, saw anything there that caught their eye. I'm unfortunately not familiar with any of these names as in terms of like me recognizing directors' names, but I'm definitely intrigued to see what comes out of it because you're right. There are movies that come out of other parts of the can besides just the main competition that end up being worth seeing and end up being even Oscar contenders. Yeah, like um, I think about, what was it? Uh, Hell or High Water, I think was one. I believe so. Uh, you know, last year, uh, Border won in un- certain regard. I think Dogtooth one year, if I remember also one, because I know Dogtooth didn't win the Palm Door, so I think it won this instead. There's definitely a, a, a wide selection of films to choose from. It's not just all about what's in competition. Yeah, it's always fun to see what not only does well at camp, but also kind of 
bombs real hard. There's a nice schadenfreude with that because there's always one or two movies that open and it's like, oh, we <laughs> people don't like this one. Well, I got to ask the question then, and I'm not saying that this is going to be that film, but we haven't talked about it, so might as well get a chance to talk about it now. Rocket Man. What do we think? Uh, I'm I'm tentatively excited. It's, of course, out of competition, obviously, but um, I'm interested to see what the can audience thinks of that. Yeah. Yeah, I am cautiously optimistic. <laughs> we have learned that it has an R rating. Thank God. Thank God. So <laughs> that means they're not going to skip out on I'm any of the film's that. content. And I think it's fortunate that it's following Bohemian Rhapsody, which in some of our considerations uh, is a pretty low bar to cross to be better. They'd have to like dig underneath. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm still very intrigued by, you know, the young cast, Richard Madden, Jamie Bell, Taron Egerton, uh, you have Bryce Dallas Howard in there. They've got a, they've got a couple of costumes from it at the Lincoln Square AMC, and I saw them the other day, and they look incredible. So like, it's the kind of film that I would go see, just for the design elements of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, I think that the film is definitely going to be a showcase for the costumes, uh, probably cinematography, sound work. You know, there's definitely a lot of flashy. Uh, material there that they can really play around with and the trailer has definitely been an indication of that not to mention too some of these um, often discussed uh, fantastical elements that are still kind of a mystery to us we don't know how far the film is going to lean into those necessarily I didn't know this but apparently it's the same costume designer as Bohemian Rhapsody and I gotta say I did not like that movie but those costumes were unquestionably the best part of it and I'm still surprised it didn't get nominated I'm actually in agreement with you there, Cody. I remember I was uh, scared to death that Bohemian Rhapsody was going to get a makeup nomination instead of a costume design nomination, <laughs> but instead it didn't get either. So there you go. Uh, Taron Egerton, uh, young actor, someone that uh, I've actually been continuously impressed by. Uh, however, you know, he's made some mistakes. Um, Robin Hood being one of them. Mm-hmm. Billionaire Boys Club. Uh, he's definitely in need of a hit right now. And I think Rocket Man is not going to give him Academy Award nominee level status, but I think we'll at least raise a few eyebrows and get people to take him more seriously. Yeah. And, and I like the fact that the cast is known, but they're not stars yet so that you, you don't see the star through the actor and through the character. And uh, so I'm, I think this is, sounds like a terrific cast. Yeah. Richard Madden is like just on the cusp of star level status. Yeah. He is so close. Has anyone here has seen Bodyguard? I have not. Not yet. Oh, not it's yet. on Netflix. Very, very highly recommended. A lot of recommendations going around this week, actually. Uh, okay, so now a film uh, that we uh, said we were going to talk about a few minutes ago uh, had a trailer this week, a film that premiered at Sundance. I actually had the privilege, uh, privilege of seeing earlier this year. Uh, it's called The Lodge, and it stars uh, Riley Keough, and it's from the directors of Goodnight Mommy. Let's take a look. So... How would you feel about going to the mountains for Christmas with Grace? She really wants to get to know you guys. That's our mom's hat. Oh, I'm sorry. You okay? I don't want to leave you here with the kids if you're not feeling up to it. Uh, I'm feeling fine. It was my idea and it took a couple days. I can do a couple days. Okay, guys, I'm off. Have fun. What is that? It's Christ. Everyone committed suicide except for her. Repent and you will find salvation. Guys! Things are very uncomfortable between us and we're stuck in a house together. Talking about, look outside. We're stuck here. 
funny that this is from the directors of Good Night Mommy because before that flashed on screen that was exactly the vibes I'm getting and I didn't love that movie but it definitely had like a, a creepy mise-en-scene so I'm interested to see what they do with this and I'm such a sucker for a trailer that just follows like a hereditary horror movie kind of pattern uh, in terms of like how they cut the trailer. So I'm an easy sell for this. I was like the same way. I'm watching this. And I'm saying to myself, man, Neon is like ripping off A24's uh, marketing with their trailers for horror films is so much so. It was actually something that from the use of the sound effects to the music to the critics quotes uh, coming up on the screen. I, I just I don't know. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way that they were. In, in essence, stealing uh, that idea that they use for movies like The Witch, yeah, it comes say, at night. The witch is similar, yeah, yeah, and, and Hereditary. So, uh, I will say this: I know some people at Sundance said that the film was better than Hereditary. Some said it wasn't as good. There was a lot of comparisons being thrown out because everybody wanted to know what is this year's Hereditary, right? Uh, I will personally say The Lodge is not hereditary, and I'll just leave it at that. I I saw The Lodge also, and I can second that. I agree with you. I thought it was just fine. Was it at least scary at all? Um, creepy. Okay. Maybe. I, I think hereditary had so much more to say so and was so much more interesting and had Agreed. more shock value. Uh, what struck me in the trailer was how claustrophobic it is, and that creeps yeah, me. Yeah, one low, one location, everything happening in like tight quarters. Yes, that for sure. Um, but I, I don't know. I kind of felt like I had seen it before a little bit. Um, I hate to say that, but that was my tape. I mean, there is this uh, Deanne, and uh, I'm not going to ruin what it is necessarily, but there is this like jump scare in the first opening few minutes of the movie. Yes, I think it's right before the title of the film like flashes on the screen that absolutely dropped my floor on the ground and it was one of the most shocking things i have seen <laughs> in recent years uh, in a horror movie I, I definitely think that that's true i told you know what you're right i forgot about that but then the rest of the film kind of is just there okay i, I don't think it's i don't think it's awful or anything like that i i just think that it's um uh and i hate using the comparisons once again but if you're going in and expecting another hereditary it's not that I will say that the trailer creeped me out so much I had to go and watch the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer to cleanse myself after. <laughs> you had to go back to your Tom Holland comfort I food? I did. Ha- happy Mother's <laughs> Day to me. <laughs> uh, shout out to the fact that uh, this film also stars uh, Alicia Silverstone, who has been MIA in my mind for a while outside of... Um, didn't she have like a small role in uh, The Killing of a Sacred Deer? She did, yes. Yes, she did. Yeah, and I just remember thinking to myself, where has Alicia Silverstone been like these past 10 years? Uh, but in any event, uh, film is film is good. Film is good. Definitely worth checking out. Definitely creepy. Uh, anyone that likes art house horror, I think will be very satisfied by this. All right, I'm there then. Okay, so and everything to also talk about right now, it seems like we're talking about it every week, but there's always new developments with it. Uh, We're going to head over to our weekly segment uh, called Avengers uh, Box Office Watch, Mm -hmm. because the film has a realistic chance at actually claiming the number one all-time box office record from Avatar. Uh, There was actually a little bit of... um, I don't want to say controversy, but let's just put it this way. James Cameron was in the news a lot this week, uh, predominantly because he congratulated Marvel on surpassing Titanic at the worldwide box office. And uh, Disney also announced uh, their upcoming slate of movies. And that I don't know if that prompted Cameron to respond with his upcoming slate for Avatar or how this all came to be, but we seem to have gotten Disney's upcoming slate of movies over the next couple of years and James Cameron's uh, plans for the Avatar sequels all within the same week. Well, they were all 
it was all one press release, right? I remember seeing a humongous list from Disney that was like Untitled Avatar, Untitled Marvel, Untitled Star Wars, just over and over and over again in different orders. Okay, and I guess that makes sense now that Disney owns Fox, yep, I suppose. Exactly. Okay. All right, so that's why. Okay. Here, here I'm thinking Disney released their list, and then James was like, I don't, I don't, want, I don't want Disney to keep stealing my thunder. Here's my list of Avatar uh, sequels, you know? Now, we're in the world where the top five domestics of all time, I believe, are all now Disney properties, so. It's only going to keep growing. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so uh, looking at things now, Avengers uh, Endgame currently sitting at 723 domestic, and for worldwide, 1.7 billion. It currently stands at a total of 2.4 billion uh, altogether. So the all-time domestic record still belongs to Star Wars The Force Awakens. I I don't know if it's going to catch up at this point. I think the worldwide record is going to happen 100%. I think it's going to overtake Avatar. But domestically, I don't know if it can catch up to Force Awakens. Yeah, it's got another 200 million to go to do that, which I think it can do. I just I, I'm not sure. I was I thought it might be the first to break a billion domestic. and I don't think that's going to happen now. It's it's weekend to weekend drops are, are higher than some other of the, of the top films right now. This weekend, it dropped 57 percent, which is not bad considering the heights that it was at. But that's still a little bit higher than that indicates, uh, you know, you if the, if the drop was less it uh, would indicate a great hold that might get it to pass Force Awakens. Yeah, amongst third weekends, it holds the fourth best uh, slot after Force Awakens, Avatar, and Black Panther. So it definitely is slowing down a bit, but I like wouldn't rule it out because just as you can tell from us on the podcast, I think it is a film that a lot of people are going to see multiple times. How many times has everyone seen it here? Twice. Just one. Twice, but I'm planning a third time, maybe. How does it? How does it hold up on a on another rewatch? Honestly, I really uh, I enjoyed it just the same. I didn't necessarily find anything new. Like it didn't make me. It didn't bring anything new to the surface for me on a rewatch, but I enjoyed my time with it again. There's a couple of things that, like, whenever you watch it, knowing the end and knowing which characters aren't going to make it out, in particular the character that's kind of a bit more of a surprise. Um, there are things like in the first half of the film that hurt a lot more, uh, that I was like, oh, right. Okay. That kind of does set this up. Um, but mostly I've enjoyed, like, I went to see it again with a friend who hadn't seen it yet. And if I go see it a third time, it'll be with my sister. So I think it is an interesting film, like to watch with other people. Which is what I think my situation is going to be. I think I'm going to end up watching it a second time when it comes out on Blu-ray and I'll show it to my parents, uh, anybody else in my family that's interested uh, because, uh, you know, they're not they're not the type to go to the movie theater and see something. They usually rely on their son to bring the movies to them. <laughs> so uh, that's something that I'll, next time I come out here for a weekend or two, I will uh, probably uh, watch Avengers Endgame again. Uh, speaking of which, a film that I actually watched last night with my mother, my grandmother, and my uh, sister, uh, as we all got together for a little pre-Mother's Day celebration, we actually all watched Game Night, and oh my god, does that movie hold up oh, so incredibly fantastic. well. Oh, yes. I love Game Night so much. <laughs> Rachel McAdams. What a fantastic comedy. She, Rachel McAdams really should have gotten a Golden Globe nomination for that. She's phenomenal in that movie. That's probably maybe actually my favorite performance of hers. Wow. Wow. I still like her performance as Regina George in Mean Girls a lot. Oh, of course. That's iconic. But I mean, this is really just uh, tapping into a really specific type of comedy that works for the movie. It's broad, but not like too broad, if that makes sense. Sure. And where it goes, you can't really predict. Right. Exactly. There's like so many twists and turns in it. And then there's like that virtuoso uh, oneer that happens in the house with the egg and everybody passing it around. I, I'm just like... They didn't have to do that, but this movie just had, you know, a, a nice spark of creativity behind it that led to some very interesting sequences. I, I, I really, really enjoyed that film a lot. And Jesse Plemons, oh my God, so funny. Uh, speaking of funny, uh, last week we asked everyone uh, which was their favorite Ryan Reynolds film for the polls. <laughs> uh, we had a couple of different selections to choose from, including Adventureland, Buried, Deadpool... Uh, yes, Green Lantern was on the list. Uh, Mississippi Grind, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, so on and so forth. Uh, so with that said, Cody Derricks, 
Ryan Reynolds fan. Do you like any of his movies? Which is your favorite? I, I mean, but seeing all this laid out, I was like, what a dire. <laughs> what a, like, yikes, what a bleak field, unfortunately. Sorry, Ryan. I enjoyed Buried. I don't remember anything about it, but I enjoyed watching it like 10 years ago. And I mean, I guess it's Deadpooled up by default. I weirdly didn't hate that movie, Woman in Gold, but I completely forgot that he was in it, so I can't really vote for it, but I guess Deadpool. Okay. All right. Nicole? Um, I guess The Proposal. All right. Yeah, it's 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 a fun one, and like, as Cody said, it's a pretty dire list of options. He's not my favorite actor. I'll, 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 I'll be, you know, I'll be completely honest. <laughs> yeah, my favorite Ryan Reynolds role, honestly, is just like husband to Blake Lively, because he seems like a cool guy. <laughs> Um, even if his work isn't great. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to slate him as like, oh, Ryan Reynolds, because he seems perfectly nice. He just apparently has terrible taste in the roles that he takes. I agree. I I can't (laughs) argue with that. Deanne, what about you? He has had such an interesting trajectory. I think he has like a very specific brand of humor that works well. And so like one of the first things I ever saw him in was in Van Wilder, which was like the beginning of the 2000s, which was very much like a real genius type of role where he was owning the, you know, college type movie. Um, and his he, he worked perfectly. I loved him and I thought he was hilarious. And I think um, that there is just the problem is, is that he tried to sort of veer away from what he was good at doing, and it just created some really awkward choices along the way. Um, and then I think return to form with Deadpool, I give him, I think that was perfect, honestly. Um, so I, for me, I would have to say it, it probably is Deadpool. I was a big fan of that, and um, I think it worked. Tom? Boy, I'm looking at the filmography, and I really like him as a person, it just reminded me, you know, the, he he is so personable when he's, you know, uh, on these videos with Hugh Jackman in a rivalry on YouTube and that sort of thing. I wish I could he could have translated that into some better films. I'm going to go way back. I would say probably my favorite is Blade Trinity. What? Really? Yes. He was in with, with Leslie Snipes. Oh, no, I, I'm aware of the movie. I'm just surprised that that's the choice. Um it it was he brought a breath of fresh air to to that um, to that you know, short franchise that I kind of like. I mean, I don't have I'm not a big Deadpool person, so I'm not really wild about his proposal. He's good in, um, but I'm 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 not a fan of his films. I'm much more of a fan of him. That's fair, uh, and I, and I'll echo that. I'm not so much a fan of his films, although I do admit that Deadpool is probably the role that he was born to play. Uh, I think that his best performance is probably Buried, but I think my favorite film is Mississippi Grind, Mm. which uh, has Ben Mendelsohn starring alongside him in that. That's a really underrated movie. I believe it's currently on Netflix, if anybody uh, has the time to check that out. Okay, and now for this week's poll, for John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum. I just wish they get called a John Wick Chapter 3, but that's okay. Maybe I'll figure out what the Parabellum aspect means when I see it this week. Uh, which is your favorite Keanu Reeves action movie? Just limited to action films here. So we have 47 Ronin, Chain Reaction, Constantine, Johnny Mino- How do you say that? Mnemonic. Mino- Mnemonic. Mnemonic. Okay. John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, John Wick Chapter 3, Parabellum, Man of Tai Chi, The Matrix, Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, Point Break, and Speed. Talk about another strange actor with strange choices (laughs) um you're doing like two weeks in a row here but isn't it incredible though that like tom cruise and liam neeson the guy in his 50s like found this action franchise that just like revitalized his career oh yeah absolutely and not only that there's some great stuff in that filmography i mean i so my personal favorite hands down i don't even have to think about it is point break i love that film 11 year old Deanne was absolutely in love with keanu reeves um and even though i i know what you're all thinking i know the acting is terrible but you know any movie where a guy says sir i take the skin off chicken i mean come on like it's the best um so uh and that movie just has something there i don't know is it does any has anyone seen point break or enjoy point break like i do oh yeah and uh stay away from the uh reboot that came out oh, horrible uh, 
It's Horrible. so, so bad. <laughs> and then like eight or nine years ago, I was at the Sky Club and I actually ended up having a Bloody Mary with Gary Busey, which was also. Wow. Just, <laughs> That's I a hell like of a story, Deanne. Icing on the cake. It was actually a little bit creepy. That's not. an amazing sentence. And he, yeah. I have a picture of the two of us together. So I'll, I'll, maybe I'll send it over so you guys can see. Um, but we bonded. <laughs> we bonded for sure. Um, and he's an interesting guy. Um, so yeah, there you go. Why is that not your profile picture? Like, your dog is, your dog is cute and all, but wow. Okay. Yeah. The point break picture is going up or it's not the point break. The, uh, Gary Busey picture is going up today. Yeah. Perfect. Excellent. I just had flashbacks to the leftovers. Um, all right, Nicole. I hate to be that person, but I honestly don't think I can pick a favorite. I know I've probably seen one or two. But not enough to even have left like a memorable impression on me. Like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you implying about the Matrix right now? I don't think I've ever seen the Matrix the whole way through. (gasps) (gasps) Yeah, yeah, that's okay. These aren't really my thing. Well, it's a good thing, Nicole, because it's a sci-fi film. No, I'm playing. It's an action film. Yeah. I, <laughs> I mean, if you want my like favorite Keanu Reeves movie, it is uh, Much Ado About Nothing, which is- I knew you were going to say that. Even though he is That's terrible. a horrible performance. His line <laughs> so delivery in that movie. Oh, my He's God. bad. <laughs> um, in that film. I'm not saying he's so bad overall. But, uh, yeah, I don't I don't feel like I am I'm can properly give- uh, a favorite out of the okay all right that's fine so much to do about nothing uh there's a sword fight in there somewhere if i remember correctly exactly. yeah yeah all right we'll 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 go with that thank you speed is also a great action film that would be a close second for me yeah speed is a lot of fun it's really fun starring the uh the late great dennis hopper it's awesome all right tom oh the uh i would say probably the action is best in john wick 2 but John Wick 1 was such a surprise because Reeves was really on the cusp of being a new Nicolas Cage. He, you know, he, he was doing stuff that was was almost made for video. And, you know, it, it would play for a week somewhere and then go right to uh, DVD. And I thought the same thing was going to happen with John Wick. And I, I just happened to go to it. And it just knocked me out. It's just so well done. And uh, I, I'm so looking forward to Parabellum, whatever the hell it means. Yeah, I, I actually am one of those people who thinks John Wick Chapter 2 is probably better. I like the expanded myth- mythology of the John Wick uh, world in Chapter 2 a little mm-hmm. bit more. Yep. But that's not my choice. Uh, so, Cody? I'm so in for The Matrix. I was obsessed with that movie when it first came out. I thought it was like the coolest, brainiest, but really in- most inventive thing I've ever seen up to that point. I think it was also the first R-rated movie I ever saw, so it has a little... Nice place in my heart for that. I'm just, it's no no contest for me. It's The Matrix. I am going to uh, give a very surprising answer here, and I'm going to say The Matrix Reloaded. It's not bad. No. <laughs> Granted, I haven't seen it no. since I was 12, but I thought it was not bad. Matrix Revolutions is actually pretty bad and definitely disappointing. Yeah. But Reloaded doubles down on the action, doubles down on the mythology. Like, it, it's actually so much better than I think people remember it being. And, like, that final scene when he meets the architect is, yes, is it a little confusing <laughs> the way they're speaking? Absolutely. But there's still something very fascinating about the originality behind that movie that I really did feel that it was a very worthy sequel to one of the most original action films ever created. Yeah, just like you said, it's, I mean, if you liked the first one, it's the same stuff, just intensified and multiplied. I don't really know what's not to like about it. Granted, again, I haven't seen it since I was 11, but, you know. And I mean, like, some of the sequences, like the sequence where he fights, like, the multiple Smiths, yeah, the CGI has definitely gotten better. bad, yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't hold up as well, but then there's that sequence where he's fighting the, um... Uh, oh, I can't remember the French guy. Um, oh, I used to know this like the back of my hand. Give me two seconds. I don't remember. Uh, but anyway, he fights like uh, his henchmen with like swords and stuff. And there's like this amazingly choreographed like hand to hand fight sequence with like staffs and swords and all these weapons. And it's just like in the, the highway sequence. I mean, like this movie is insane. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, like, it's pretty typical for me to say the first Matrix film because probably objectively it is the best. But um, I just want to give some love to Matrix Reloaded because I I do think it gets unfairly shit on by people. 
weirdly, I never got to see Revolution. <laughs> really? Yeah. No, we my my brother and dad and I sat down to watch it in theaters, and within five minutes, my brother got sick, so we had to leave, and that was almost 20 years ago and I never came back to it. Wow. Um, his name is the Merovingian. Merovingian. Wow. Okay. There we go. <sighs> yeah. He was a great deal of fun. <laughs> and in any event though, uh, so for this week's poll, head on over to nextbestpicture.com. Go to the polls page. Tell us what's your favorite Keanu Reeves action movie and let us know. All right. Now we are going to watch our third and final trailer for this week's episode here. Uh, this is actually an Oscar contender on paper. And I say on paper because we've seen biopics before uh, that look like they're going to be something big and then they come out and they are something that's not. But we will have to wait and see with this one. For now, we have this uh, very intriguing trailer starring Renee Zellweger where she is playing Judy Garland, appropriately titled Judy. Let's take a look. that there's two trailers right now using Somewhere Over the Rainbow and really only one of them probably deserves two. <laughs> oh yeah, Godzilla totally deserves Godzilla. that. Godzilla! <laughs> <laughs> like here, I almost thought it was a little too cliche, but... Um, I, I agree. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm excited for the Renee Zellweger comeback. Right? No? You guys aren't? I No, I am. And I think she looks the part um, pretty shockingly well. There are some shots where she looks like Renee Zellweger, but others that, that are pretty, very close to Judy. I also think that, like, whatever else this movie is, A, Renee Zellweger is pretty much always good, and uh, it's going to be beautiful. Like, I really thought the trailer was very nice aesthetically, so. Yeah, and it's a very stage-bound film. It's based on a play, mm. which I didn't know, called End of the Rainbow, which is on Broadway a few years ago. And the director is Rupert Gold, who's also a stage director. So I think you'll really have a firm grasp of the uh, kind of more theatrical elements of the movie, which I'm sure there will be plenty of. Maybe not as much as Rocket Man, but it'll definitely be there. I wasn't a fan, though, of his directorial debut, uh, which was True Story with Jonah Hill, James Franco and Felicity Jones. I don't know if anyone here ever saw that. But... I saw it. And in fact, it's funny because it reminds me of the Ted Bundy movie that I can never remember the name of just in terms of structure and everything. And yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't great. However, I do think that there is something to be said for bringing in a theater uh, stage director uh, to actually make this film because I do think the cinematic quality uh, harkening back to old Hollywood and some of these productions that you, we see glimpses of within the trailer. Uh, I agree with you, Nicole. I think aesthetically it looks absolutely gorgeous. If I can just throw in a skeptical note, I'm, I'm going to hold off my, my enthusiasm for it until I actually see it. But uh, it's got a, it's, I mean, I live in a town where every other waiter is a Judy Garland impersonator. So I'm pretty much <laughs> in the midst of all of this. Um, but uh, the, uh, it's got a big, uh, shadow bar to reach, which is the fantastic Judy Davis performance in that TV movie, Me and My Shadows. Oh yeah, she's great. She it, it she captured the both the frailty and the brittleness of Garland's later years that I've never forgotten. And uh, this looks fine. I just don't know whether it's going to reach the same heights. And the interesting thing about this is that it's not a cradle-to-grave biopic per se. I think there'll be flashbacks, but it's specifically based on a series of concerts she had towards the end of her life. So things can be pretty locked into that time and space, which I think is usually the better way to do a biopic. Yeah, you show them at a specific period in their life and you get the snapshot of who they were um, as a person through that period of time. You know, Lincoln is a great example of something like this or yeah. Selma. 
you know, um, <clears throat> and then not so great examples is stuff like Bohemian Rhapsody. But, you know, that's never here nor there. Well, that's that's the problem with that is that it's his entire life. Practically, it's too. I mean, there's many problems with that, but that's, you know, a, a different type of movie. <laughs> exactly. Um, I got to ask a question because I have detected that there is a lot of uh, hesitance with this movie. And I don't know what it is based on. Uh, Tom, you, you actually just brought it up a little bit that you're a little hesitant with the movie. Is that just because you just, you know, don't want to get your hopes up? We've been here before with certain biopics or is there something surrounding this particular production? Because I've seen that echoed amongst a couple of people online. I've seen the play and the play, it's, it's great that it's so concentrated, but it's kind of limited too. Uh, and I don't know how closely they're going to follow um, the end of the rainbow uh, original uh, play, but uh, I, I, I wanted to kind of separate the two things. One would be the Renee Zellweger comeback story, which I'm very enthusiastic about. I, I, I've missed her. And, uh, but I want to separate that from what the film is actually going to be. And it's the second part that I, I have a slight hesitancy about because it can, <sighs> It's, it's very easy to go over the top with that. And if she can contain the perhaps temptation to do a, a full Judy Garland impression, um, I think the film may be good, but I'm still a little skeptical. That's what that's. Sort of- so you think it's a combination of their, their sensitive material here and this is the actress that uh, played uh, played a Academy Award supporting role in Cold Mountain which now we look at and we're like, oh, that's a little over the top. And we think that that might be heading in that kind of uh, trajectory here. It could uh, the potential the material could potentially lead to that. Uh, I think she's she's a much better actress than Cold Mountain showed. And hopefully that better actress shows up here. I just one more thing. I got to say it's kind of strange that they're releasing this in September, which is like a little too early for Oscar buzz. And then they could have released it in June or July, right around the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall riots, which were almost immediately following her funeral, famously. Like, they could have really tied this into a moment in history, and they're choosing not to. I don't really know why. Hmm. Uh, I'm happy to see Jesse Buckley continuing to get work. Uh, I'm actually seeing Wild Rose uh, this week, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, if I can get there. And I loved her in Beast uh, uh, two years ago. So I'm very, very much looking forward to seeing more work from her. Also in the supporting cast. Also, we have, uh, who else is here? Michael Gambin. We have uh, Finn, uh, Bella Ramsey from Game of Thrones. Oh, really? Liana Mormont's in this? Yep, hey, she's look playing, at that. Uh, Lorna Loft, one of Judy's kids. Oh, wow. Very cool. I feel like there's somebody else that I was like, oh, he's in that? Rufus Sewell? Yes. Whom I love. Yeah. Um, if anyone's <laughs> that's a, seen that's Nicole Boy. If anyone's seen Victoria, he is splendid in that TV show. So excited to ever see him do like anything. Okay. And now we come to the uh, final portion of this week's show. We're going to answer some of our fan questions. Uh, some of them may have already been answered, possibly in our discussions. But let's take a look here and see what we got for this week. Corey Tatum on Twitter asks, do you think Aladdin will get a positive uh, positive critic or audience score? I, I assume he means Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, my, my, guess, my guess is no. I don't I don't really know. I mean, they the, the live actions usually get a decent decent reviews, even if they're not regarded in the long run. Um, the thing, though, is it doesn't matter. It's going to make money. So <laughs> it doesn't yeah. really matter what they think. I think the teaser looks so awful that uh, maybe people will be surprised if it's anywhere halfway decent. That's true. This one comes from Aiden Stone on Twitter. Do you think the woman in the window might be Amy Adams' Oscar-winning role? I'm going to go with no. No, no I don't think so. I think it's more like her girl in the train, unfortunately, than her gone girl. Right. And the book really doesn't have a lot of acclaim, so it's kind of an interesting choice. As, as opposed to Hillbilly Elegy, which does have a claim, which oh, yeah. will be coming around the corner after that. Uh, this one comes from Adam Benson. Do you think Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker will make more money than Avengers Endgame? No. Uh, I think interest definitely waned after The Last Jedi. And I think that Star Wars is in a bad position like uh, other properties uh, such as... I'm not saying this is exactly what's happening with Game of Thrones, but I definitely think that you get to a certain point in your popularity where it's cool to hate on it. And I think Endgame peaked at the right time. And if there were like another Avengers movie coming out next year, I would be worried for them. But uh, that's not the case. But with Star Wars, I do worry that backlash from The Last Jedi 
uh, might have even hurt some of its box office potential for the next film. I think it might be I'm I'm just kind of maybe wishful thinking because I think Last Jedi is maybe the best Star Wars movie, but I think maybe it's more the oversaturation of Star Wars than like a, a negative reaction to the last one. I mean, because Solo, granted, it made, you know, it made money, but it still made less money than a Star Wars. Movie it feels like such a forgettable blip. Like I've, yeah. I completely forgot that it even exists. And I didn't even hate it, but I complete it's completely forgettable. So we'll see. I mean, the the box office for that was definitely disappointing. So I, I, I if I was Disney, I would be not concerned, but I wouldn't be, you know, uh, anticipatory towards it. I'm looking forward to having a year where there's no Star Wars film. I am too, as somebody who lives and breathes Star Wars. Think about it this way. All right, and I know this is a weird comparison. But Leonardo DiCaprio won an Academy Award for The Revenant in 2015, and he's been gone for four years. And now he's coming back with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And that four-year gap gave us enough time away from Leo, who was consistently putting great work after great work, and then finally peaked with that performance. I'm not saying, you know, that, you know, objectively it was his best or anything like that, but he won the Academy Award. And sometimes you just got to take a break so that people miss you. And I feel like that's what Star Wars needs. People need to get back to that feeling of, oh, I miss Star Wars. When is Star Wars coming back? Instead of being bombarded every year with a new Star Wars film. Yeah, the original trilogy in the 70s and 80s, they would have three full years between movies. I can't even imagine that now. Okay, and then, uh, so I actually want to apologize because we didn't cover this uh, fully in uh, trailer form this week, and this is my oversight, but we did get a question about it, which can lead us to now talk about it, so um, I want to talk about uh, from HLVD Movies. He asks, do you think The Farewell will be able to make it into award season with its early release date? So let's take this as an opportunity here to actually uh, talk about the movie The Farewell, uh, what you guys thought of the uh, teaser trailer that A24 put out, and uh, what you guys are hearing on the ground right now in terms of its Oscar potential. I'm over the moon about it. I, I, it just looks so good. And, this, and the writing, I, I, I agree that I think screenplay uh, is, is, is a very real possibility. If it can last through, you know, the six months until award season starts, but it looks as that good that I think it could. Yeah, I mean, just the trailer itself had me on the verge of tears, truly. So I, I think this really has the potential to be a, a nice uh, sleeper hit, potentially, kind of in the way that uh, the big sick was. But um, I think its best chances Oscar wise definitely lie in screenplay easily out front. Um, if it's really kind of a phenomenon and it gets the praise that it looks like it deserves, potentially Aquafina or maybe a supporting actress for the woman who plays the dying grandma. I could definitely see that on the table. I think it was Daniel uh, Joyox who I saw on uh, Twitter who said that he wants to start a campaign already for um, uh, for the grandmother uh, played by Zeo uh, Shuzen. I believe that's who it is that plays her. Um, he wants to start a campaign for her and Best Supporting Actress. And after seeing the movie myself at Sundance, first of all, I'll just say it's, I think, yeah, it's my third favorite film of the year uh, so far. Uh, I think Aquafina is fantastic, but I think it's just a Golden Globe nomination. I don't know if I see it uh, cracking into Best Actress, especially because of the early release date. Uh, but the Supporting Actress campaign, I think, should definitely start uh for nai nai who plays uh who who is um billy's grandmother in the movie here and from what i'm reading on indb it looks like this is her first film or television anything acting role ever <laughs> she has wow. no other credits which is i mean that worked for yalitza last year wow that's really really impressive um someone just made a comparison to the big sick and while I do think The Big Sick is more commercial than this, um, there is something to be said for the fact that uh, A24 uh, is uh, releasing it in that same time frame. It has a PG rating. And I do believe that if marketed properly, um, it can definitely get a pretty large indie audience. I don't think it's going to make the same numbers that The Big Sick made, but I do think it will be, um, I do think it can be an indie hit. You know what I mean? In the sense of uh, it can recoup its budget do moderately well, but pretty well for an indie film, all things considering, and uh, carry that over into the fall. I especially think that critics are going to go to bat for this one uh, full-heartedly. There were so many people at Sundance who claimed it was their favorite film at the festival, and for good reason, too. Yeah. I think there's there's a, good, a lot of goodwill towards the film already and towards Aquafina. Um, so I feel like, you know, if it 
if it gets out there, then like I think there are the people who will support it. Matt, you've seen since you've seen it. Uh, someone had mentioned a, uh, a possible Globe play for it. Is there enough humor in it for it to get into comedy? Oh yeah, yeah. To me, this was like. Um... Uh, this was something that reminded me a lot of things like Sideways or Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where it's like that perfect mixture of sadness, drama, but also those moments of levity, levity and humor. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a very, very human film. It will definitely tap into your emotions and make you feel something. And hearing you say, Cody, that you were on the verge of tears just watching the trailer uh, just reinforces my confidence in this film. I will say it brought me to tears when I watched the movie. So there you go. I, I can't wait for it. I really can't. Okay. Well, that pretty much do it here for this week's episode, episode 142 of the Next Best Picture podcast. Tom, do you have anything to say before we go? No, I'm just uh, looking forward to Con and let's see what uh, pops out of it. All right, Deanne. Have a wonderful Mother's Day. Absolutely. Nicole? Yeah, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers listening, especially my own, who I'm sure will listen. <laughs> Aw, that's so cute. <laughs> she is, she's a fan of the show. She comments. She and that's awesome. Yeah. I know. It's great. I, I have to be like, hi, Miss Ackman. How are, how are you? <laughs> yeah, be polite. Be polite. <laughs> and Cody? Happy Mother's Day out there to everybody, and especially to Nicole's mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, happy Mother's Day to everyone that's listening right now. Uh, we love, support, and appreciate each and every single one of you. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening to episode 142 of the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Player FM, Acast, CastBox, and on Spotify. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can lend over on our Patreon channel. For $1 minimum a month, you can get some exclusive podcast content from us, including content regard, uh, related to the Emmys. Uh, we are covering Game of Thrones at the moment. We're are actually also doing uh, some theater podcasts now for Next Best Theater. And we also have some 2015 retrospective reviews as we go through that film year. Uh, up next, we have Ex Machina, which we will be reviewing this week. That will be an exclusive to our Patreon listeners. So Patreon and Next Best Picture. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Next time.